What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 31 of Preloaded. My name is Josh Finderup, and I am joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. Um, I just had like a little procedure done, nothing major, but um, everything went well, and yeah, I'm just excited to get into things. Nice. Well, I am glad you are healthy, and uh, yeah, there's uh, some... Interesting news this week, we got some rumors, a lot of rumors, uh, some Switch rumors and a uh, Battlefield, of all things, rumor. And then we got some unfortunate delays, fortunate or unfortunate, it really depends on on how you look at it. So uh, look forward to all of that. Uh, But first, some housekeeping. First off, you may notice my backdrop is different. Uh, Not that that really matters all that much, but um, I am going to, I'm planning on streaming. Uh, I have a Twitch channel set up. I will tell everybody about that later, maybe next week, but I am planning on streaming, so that's what this whole setup is for, uh, in case you were wondering. Next, we have a, uh, or you can catch the podcast, we post every Friday, on Jackson's YouTube channel, so if you want to watch, we'd encourage you to do that, and you can uh, do that over at Jackson's YouTube channel, it is J-V-J-A-Y-V-E-E, and if you prefer to listen You can get the audio version over on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you're listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to subscribe there and uh, drop a review. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, leave a quick five-star review. That'll definitely help us out. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And we welcome all of your feedback. But we'd love to get your questions. We actually didn't get a lot of questions this week, though we will be digging into our mailbag at the end of the show like we do every week. And if you want to hear your question discussed on the show uh, next week or one of the following weeks, again, it's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And so with all that out of the way, we are now going to kick off the show as we always do with our segment, What the Hell Have You Been Playing, Jackson? So for me, Josh, um, I've been working on a big Origins video. So I wrapped up the main game and then I dove into the DLC for the first time. That's Assassin's Creed Origins. And uh, it's just really quality content. It's very focused, at least one of them, on, you know, the Assassins and the Brotherhood, which is stuff that old, you know, old fans really just eat up and they do a really good job. So I've really been enjoying that. And then um, kind of recovering from my procedure, I booted up Prey. And that was just mm. like kind of like an instinctual thing. Not an instinctual thing, but just a split decision. I wanted to play Prey. I booted it up and ended up playing for two hours. And uh, it just reminded me of how that game sucks you into its environment. And uh, it, it very much plays out like a mystery, which is something I forgot about. Um, it's very mysterious. It's got a horror kind of bend to it. And of course, it's an arcane game, which I'm you know just kind of preparing for uh, with Deathloop. So that's been my experience. Nice. Do you um, have it... In you, you think to finish Prey again, or are you just kind of getting your fix for a short little while? I think I'm getting my fix. Um, I think there's other games like we're not. I don't think we're going to mention it today, but It Takes Two comes out uh, the day that our podcast posts, so I want to play that. And then yep. uh, Outriders comes out next week, so I'm going to be playing those. Nice. Well, very cool. Uh, I actually dug into a little bit of Assassin's Creed myself. <laughs> I started last night Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. I went way back. Uh, you know, I've been doing some research to see, I've asked you a few times and I kind of just dip my toes into the YouTube 
uh, black hole to see what people were saying about which Assassin's Creed games are best for stealth. And almost without fail, three games always come up. Assassin's Creed Unity, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, which I, I bought those both on sale recently. But the third one that really surprised me was Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. So I wanted to kind of, as I have been with a lot of these stealth games, I want to play them in order if I do play them all. Who knows if I will, but I don't want to go from modern mechanics to old mechanics. I'd rather uh, do it the other way around so it maybe Brotherhood doesn't feel quite so old old school. And uh, I'm, I'm really liking it. I only played it for about two and a half, three hours last night, but I can definitely see how that open world formula that Ubisoft crafted all those years ago was really so addictive for so many people. It still holds up uh, in terms of the open world formula. The combat's a bit clunky. The camera and the uh, controls are not, you know, you can tell it's an old game. but uh, And it actually looks fantastic. I got the Ezio collection. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, it, it looks great. And I'm uh, looking forward to uh, seeing if it sticks, you know, whether I finish it. I did also read that Brotherhood is one of the shorter AC games, which appealed to me. Yes, um, I, I think you find that with a lot of the older ones is that that it's 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 a tight uh, I don't know twenty to thirty hour experience um, for the most part, and you're just having a blast the entire time. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it. Yeah, and just one more thing, it's almost comical how small the open world is compared to the new <laughs> games. Like you can literally scroll across it in a matter of seconds, whereas I mean like maybe two or three seconds to just put your cursor from one side to the other. Whereas you go to Assassin's Creed Odyssey and it's just like, uh, it's almost like a, a world, like a literal globe that you're traversing. So I thought that was very interesting. Right. It is interesting. And, and, and almost you can look at it from the opposite perspective is that it, it gives a closer look at one area. So you mm -hmm. kind of, you have more detail in Rome and you get to visit, I don't know if you've got there yet, but all of the hills, yeah. you know, the seven hills of Rome. Um, or however many there are. So it's, it's it's really cool and varied, I found. Yeah, I just got to Rome, and I'm fascinated with that setting. So I really hope I enjoy this game, um, and uh, I'm able to uh, you know stick it through to the end, but we'll see if it holds my attention. It is, again, it is an old game. But anyway, that's what we have been playing. We are now going to get into the top stories of the week, and the first story, actually, fir the first and second stories are like the one that broke the first last week and the one that just broke this morning. First off, Gotham Knights, uh, not too surprisingly, got delayed till 2022. We hadn't heard a peep about this game since they revealed it, and uh, with COVID going on, it's just no surprise. However, they didn't cite COVID in their delay. They just said, we want to, quote, deliver the best possible experience for players, and that is what fueled the delay. So just till 2022, we don't have a specific date, um, and I would even take that with a grain of salt. Uh, right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, I, I may be misremembering, but did you have Gotham Knights on one of your like most anticipated lists that we shared? Um, yeah, it was, on, it was definitely on, um, yes. So two things, it was on one of the shows lists where we had, I think our most anticipated games of the year. And then I did a video on my YouTube channel where I listed out the top single player, even though this is technically a co-op game, top single player games of 2021. And, um, it made both those lists. Gotcha. Yeah, I just think for me, it's definitely a game I am looking forward to and I want to play. But like, delay it to 2022. I mean, that's that's totally fine with me. I wasn't chomping at the bits to to play it this year. And obviously, I want to play the best game possible. So, yeah, yeah. I, I put out kind of a tongue in cheek tweet after this came out. I said, "Well, it looks like 2022 is looking to be a banger of a year." <laughs> and then I just said, "You know, but in you know, all jokes aside, guys, take your time uh, to to make this game." But yeah, it's it's been an unusual year, so this is, uh, you know, not unusual. For sure, and expect a lot more of this. 
Yep. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, Back for Blood was just, I think, this morning uh, uh, announced that it was delayed till October 12th. And I believe it was set for a June release date. I'm not sure the specific date, but it's now from June to October 12th. So not a huge delay there. And um, again, yeah, take your time. This game, I thought it looked, even though this isn't really my cup of tea, I thought it looked fantastic what they did show. And so I hope that uh, it's even better when they release it. Yeah, I'm hoping this is a game that'll uh, steal the attention from uh, some of my, you know, IRL friends away from Warzone because that's all they play. And I just want them to play different games and like <laughs> experience other games. And Back for Blood seems like something they'd be into. So I'm excited. Yeah, and I did. I should mention there is an open beta coming this summer, so you'll still get to play it in the summer if you are able to. I guess it's an open beta, so if you want to play it, go right ahead. Exactly. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, so next uh, uh, we got a rumor that was uh, kind of, it, this has been out there for a while, but it kind of resurfaced that the next Battlefield game might get revealed, but the new information here is that it might get revealed in May, which would certainly line up with, you know, when E3 kind of gets going, maybe it's late May, who knows, but uh, maybe EA is planning on doing their big E3 showcase uh, or whatever it is that they do this summer in May. And this comes from the kind of the, uh, the guy that always seems to have these leads, uh, Jeff Grubb, was the one who reported this. Um, and he has said that this Battlefield game will likely be set in the present or modern day. Uh, so no uh, World War II or World War One stuff like we've seen in the past. And then um, one other thing that... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So he said here that this might be for their E3 equivalent showcase in May. So stuff I already said. Anyways, are you looking forward to Battlefield, Jackson? You know, I am, actually. It's a version of the FPS that I think is still unique. Um, just a massive sprawling maps with, you know, um, environments that you can blow up. I mean, that that is a really cool um, little hook that I think is compelling. Um, and I do want to see what's next. Again, I am kind of tired of the Warzone and the Call of Duty. That seems to be the kind of the big main live game right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that they can do something different. And one little note, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is coming out May 14th. So perhaps that gives us some insight into mm. maybe they'll they'll show something like around the launch of that game. But maybe that's when EA is putting their event. Who knows? Yeah, that that uh, the timing would be uh, nice for them to give it a bit, a bit of a promotional boost. Maybe they'll release it on May 14th and then a week later just have a kind of a reminder trailer. Hey, this is out. Go get it. For sure. Sort of thing. Um, yeah, so look forward to, you know, it's almost a sure thing that we will get a battlefield this year. Uh, but I, I really like that they're holding their cards close to their chest, as these kind of big first-person shooters often do. But, you know, it's not this long, drawn-out release uh, promotion pr promotional cycle. Uh, it seems like they're going to announce it and then release it. Right. It sounds, it sounds uh, exciting to me. Yeah. Uh, and then the next big rumor that uh, resurfaced this last week was uh, more, there's more Switch Pro rumors. This comes to us from Bloomberg, who uh, you know is a pretty reliable source. And their new report is that a new Switch Pro model will apparently launch in 2021 and feature an NVIDIA chip that supports DLSS and will be used to display 4K images while in docked mode. So kind of some old rumors combining with some new information here, specifically that DLSS. Now, I'm not too familiar with this, but I did a little bit of research and what I found was that everybody who's seen what DLSS can do is pretty happy with it and that it, it actually does make a, a pretty significant difference. Are you familiar with this, Jackson? 
I think I have the same knowledge as you, just seeing other people tweet about it and say, like, this is a serious game changer. Um, so yeah. I'm glad that the Switch is going to benefit from this. Yep. And then uh, the, the other information that kind of resurfaced was that this is likely, at least according to people who are familiar with the, the situation here, be $100 more than the Switch. The Switch will not reduce in price from my understanding, but this will be $100 more. So it will likely be, if these rumors are true, $399. Uh, so right up there with, I mean, heck, you can get a PlayStation 5 digital if you can find one for that. And you can get a <laughs> Xbox Series S for less than that. It's crazy. It is. It's, it's yeah, it's surprising um, with inflation and everything that we still have consoles at this price. Um and one thing I do want to note um, with the release date, you did mention if you can find a PS5. I mean, I, I'm a little skeptical. I think Matt Piscatella at the NDP group kind of cited he, he'd be shocked that if there was a new um, Switch model coming out this year because of the glo- global um, you know conductor shortage. That's, that's something that's going to affect yeah. um, any company trying to produce hardware. So... Uh, I'm kind of at a we'll see, even though that we have these really credible rumors. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think that the Switch, a new Switch model, I think is bound to happen, even if Nintendo denies that it's happening. I mean, they, I, I think they've got to keep up with uh, technology. The Switch is four years old. But whether it happens in, in 2021, for those reasons you mentioned, I think that's a good point. Uh, don't get your hopes up too high. Uh, but it will be very exciting when Nintendo does announce this because I have a feeling they're going to announce some pretty big games to, or at least one really big game that I think everybody would hope is Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2. Something's going to launch us uh, next to this thing, which uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to. Me too. And like delay the console for the game if you have to do that. I, I think yeah. that's, even if you miss the holiday season, I know that's like, that's something that these companies really don't want to do, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. And last time I checked, the next holiday season will come around, you know, they could, they, they could just delay it a year, you know, it's uh, right. probably not that simple from a business perspective, but, uh, you know, the, the sun will rise again and the, the next holiday season will be there for them to sell a boatload of switches if they need to do that. And everyone will buy them. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, the next news story we have is not much of a news story because by the time you're listening to this, most likely this will already have happened unless you're one of our listeners who listens very early, but there's tomorrow, which is today, if you're listening an Xbox indie showcase uh, where Microsoft or Xbox rather is going to, this is going to stream, I'm assuming live from their YouTube channel uh, at 9 a.m. Pacific time where they're going to talk about over a hundred indie titles, which is kind of mind boggling. And then there are going to be 25 game debuts and just some notable titles here. Not very many, uh, but some that I thought were worth noting. Second Extinction, which we've known about for a while. Stalker 2, which I'm really looking forward to. And the ascent, which you know, all those have been highlighted in past showcases, and then Drinkbox. If you're not familiar, they're the makers of the Guacamelee games. Is going to reveal their next game, which is not a sequel; it's a new IP. So that's super exciting. Um, I will definitely be tuning into this uh, this week or tomorrow. Awesome! Yeah, I'm excited to see what they've got to show. And yeah, you know, Jackson, I totally forgot to mention at the top of the show. This is the second week I've done this where we actually have our topic of the show is going to be you and I counting down our top five indie games uh, of all time. So we're about to get into that not too long from now, um, but stay tuned if you're if you're interested in that. And if you're not interested in indie games, I mean, you, you should be. There's some uh, incredible gameplay to be had there. Truly, yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's uh, the news of the week. We are now going to take our first break. And when we get back, we are going to 
as I just mentioned, count down our top five, each of our top five uh, indie games of all time. Uh, some of my truly favorite games are going to be coming up in this segment. So I uh, hope you'll stay tuned. Should be a lot of fun. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are now going to get into our deep dive discussion of the week, which I once again forgot to mention, but at least at the top of the show, but it is the top five indie games of all time for both Jackson and myself. So it's possible we'll have a total of 10 games here unless we have some overlap. Uh, And as usual, I think how I do it with these sections, Jackson, is I kick it over to you first. So if you want to go (laughs) ahead and go with your number five, let's hear it. All right, so um, Josh is more of the indie guy than me. He's probably played a lot more indie games uh, in total, but I still have played um, enough, I thought, to uh, fully build out a list. So starting with number five, um, I went with Gone Home, which nice. is probably the least, yeah, it's it's the least game of on my list and probably of most games that I've really, really enjoyed. Um, I just thought it did a great job with its storytelling, telling a very personal story. It felt very focused to me and also really respected my time. I mean, that game doesn't take more than three, four or five hours, if I'm remembering correctly, um, to get through. And so I was just really impressed with how it sucked me in. It made me care about uh, the main character and her struggle, which is a very um, not personally relatable thing, but I, I think it's something that's very relevant in um, these days. So that's why I loved it. Yeah, and I just have to say that game, more than maybe any game I've played, twists its story on its head in a way that I have never seen. I mean, it really, the whole it's like the whole game is a red herring and then you get to the end and it's like such a great ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a game that where the credit rolls and you're like, or credits roll and you're, whew, man, it yep. hits you. Yeah, so great choice. Uh, so my number five game is, uh, now I don't, I had some debate in my head whether to put this as an indie game because I think it just had a lot of support from PlayStation. But anyway, uh, Rezogun. And uh, when that came out, this the reason it made my list is this is a game that turned me on to an entire genre. And that's happened a couple times in my gaming career. But I was never a fan of shmups, whatever you call them, want to call them, shoot 'em ups But Rezogun's gameplay is just so rock solid. Um, I beat the game in a weekend. It's the first platinum trophy I ever earned, so it's kind of got a special place in my heart for that, but I just could not stop playing it. And the replayability of that game, you get through it, and then it has like the you know the uh, high score chasing, or if you're like me, you want to chase the trophies. I just replayed and replayed and replayed that game. And then, you know, I haven't played a lot of shmups. I call them shmups, but I really hate that term, but I haven't played a lot of those games since then, but it uh, definitely has me hyped for... Uh, um, uh, Returnal coming out, even though they're totally different uh, games. Just that uh, kind of really fast-paced shoot 'em up style of gameplay is uh, something that I can definitely get into because I played Resogun. Awesome, man. Yeah, I, I'm not super into uh, shoot 'em ups. By the way, shmups sounds like a name you call someone that you don't like. A shmup. Um, <laughs> yeah. <yes. laughs> but um, so I haven't played Res- Resogun, and I think that's the genre is the barrier for entry for me. So uh, maybe one day I'll give it a chance and uh, yeah. boot it on up. Yeah. Um, So for number four, for me, um, I picked Subnautica, which is actually a game that's um, far more in the public light uh, as of late, but it really did start as an indie game. Um, I don't love most survival games, but Subnautica was uh, so unique and so interesting to me and so compelling with its ideas that it hooked me in a way that most survival games don't. But also, um, I have a deep, deep fear of of open water um, Hmm. and the ocean. So... 
uh, it actually forced me to confront that, which is actually something that I find very um, compelling about video games. Some video games do that and they, um, you know, t- <laughs> they really tap into a, a level of fear that other games just don't for me. So Subnautica terrified me, but it also uh, gripped me. Yeah, I, I played for about 10 hours and I, I ended up hitting a wall. I can't remember what kept me from progressing, but I just I really struggled to, to get past a certain point in that game. But it for those 10 hours, I, I absolutely can see what's there for the people who really love that game. Yeah, it's it's super fun. It's beautiful, yeah. too. Yeah, it is. Um, so for speaking of beautiful games, number four uh, made my list almost strictly because of how beautiful it is. And that's whether you know it as Gris, Gris or Grease, uh, that game just blew me away to me it out journeyed journey uh it's clearly inspired by journey i i think but not a lot of gameplay here the puzzles are super simple the platforming is super simple but the art style is just really striking and the way that it does it's uh that it tells its story no words in this game i don't think it's all visual but there's one moment in particular um that is just super dramatic and uh, like just knocked the wind right out of me when I when I played it. And after that moment on, I was like, yeah, this is this is an all time favorite uh, game for me. So if you like a, if you like Journey and you haven't played, uh, I'll call it Gree. I think that's the what people usually correct me with. Uh, definitely check it out. Amazingly beautiful game. The sound is great. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, really emotional. Awesome, man. I, I haven't played it and I feel bad, but I also haven't played Journey. So uh, those <laughs> yeah. are two games that I I just really need to to put time into when I get the chance. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, so number three for me is Inside. Um, and, and I kind of bounce between um, this and Play Dead's other title, uh, Limbo. I think they're both great. But Inside was more impactful uh, for me. I, I was really... I, I, I'm kind of drawn to those very dark sort of twisted um, games that are very artsy. And that, that's kind of how I <laughs> file inside. It just has a sense of impending dread. But similar to your description of Gree, I mean, there's no dialogue. It, it's completely visual and auditory storytelling um, that it tells a story that's incredible from start to finish. Lots of um, lots of environmental puzzle solving which is something I can really get into. And uh, yeah, it just kind of shocked me. And I love when a game can do that. Nice. Well, uh, my number three game is Rogue Legacy. Um, another game that totally brought me into a new genre that, you know, before Rogue Legacy, I didn't really get the roguelite or roguelike genre at all. Didn't see the appeal. And Rogue Legacy was... Um, so addictive i remember one night i went to bed and played it at it was like a friday night i went to bed played it till like two in the morning and when i woke up i first thing i I played it on my vita my vita was right next to me i picked it up and played it till like two in the afternoon and beat it um just because i couldn't stop and uh it it balances that uh progression that you you know if you if i didn't progress every time i played through a rogue light i don't know if i would have the stamina to to perfect my skill enough to beat them but this game gives you that progression and it's just really fun the way it, it mixes up each run. Like you inherit these, uh, um, they're not abilities. They're almost like afflictions from your uh, the previous night that you played. So you might inherit like color blindness, which would make the screen black and white. Or uh, 
um, Vertigo, which actually makes the turns the screen upside down. And so all these really creative ways of messing with the gameplay. Fantastic game if you're skeptical at all about the roguelite genre or you just don't don't get it. Check out Rogue Legacy when it's on sale. Uh, you can't go wrong. You know, I haven't played Rogue Legacy, but I just watched a video from uh, Game Maker's Toolkit that mentions uh, Rogue Legacy and kind of the the family tree system. When you die, it, it mm-hmm. deals with death in a different way. You kind of carry things forward um, in a unique way. So it, it sounds awesome. I need to try it out. Yeah, and the graphics are not anything to really write home about either. The visuals could kind of turn you off, but uh, if if you're looking for something to play, not that there aren't enough games out there, this is a fantastic game. Awesome. Awesome. So for number two, um, for me, I picked A Plague Tale Innocence. And um, I I don't know if I'll get criticized for this not being an indie game, but I think it is. Um, It is. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. So um, A Plague Tale, man, it just tells a very interesting, unique perspective um, from from the perspective of kids, which I think is something that's underrepresented in games. Um, But also it, it tackles horror and fear in a way that I uh, didn't think that, like, I didn't think I'd be afraid of rats. Oh, my God, they're terrifying in that game. Yeah, yeah um, plague rats. Yeah, plague rats. And and the way you use fire and light to navigate the environments. And um, I think, Josh, you mentioned its stealth um, component on Twitter recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another way that I think it, it, while the mechanics are simple, they very much fit the, um, the fantasy of playing as a kid. And I, I think it... It pretty much hits on every single um, component of of projecting that fantasy. So, um, a Plague Tale is a game. I feel like everyone just needs to give a shot. Yeah, and you know, you kind of sort of alluded to it, where you know, is this an indie game or not? I mean, it has a really, I'll say, double A feel. It doesn't yes. feel like an indie game. It feels like it had quite the production budget, and uh, you know, it's got fully three D explorable environments that are beautiful. I mean, the fire in this game is gorgeous. Uh, mm-hmm. They really did a great job with the visuals. And uh, yeah, yeah, I love this game. Uh, definitely one to pick up. And I think, again, you could, this is a budget game to begin with, but you can get it on sale, I think, for a pretty good price when it when it does drop. Right. It's totally worth your time and money. Yeah. So now we're getting into all-time favorite territory for <laughs> me. And uh, number two is uh, SteamWorld Dig 2. This is my easily my favorite whether you like this term or not it is easily my favorite metroidvania i've ever played uh just could not put this game down once i started it it's funny it came out at the same time as metroid uh, return of samus on the game boy or the 3ds excuse me and i i was i just put that game down in favor of this game so i put down like the metroidvania for uh <laughs> steam world dig uh, the namesake of the, the genre for steam world dig 2 and just the way that this game, you dig through the world, like literally every inch of the world, you dig through and you find gems and then you get, those are your currency that you save up and then you go to the surface and you spend those gems to upgrade your character. And it is just such an addictive loop and it's gorgeous. The level design is fantastic. Um, it's really addictive in, in ways that other Metroidvanias are, are not. You know, other worlds can suck you in, but the way that this gameplay loop just keeps you coming back for one more run... You know, really, uh, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about SteamWorld Dig 2. Put image and form games on the map for me. Anything they do from here on out, I pay attention to because of this game. Awesome. Josh, I have never heard of this game. Um, oh, my so gosh. I know. I'm watching a trailer right now just to <laughs> make sure that I you know, actually familiarize myself. But, man, like 
you can't even talk uh, nicer about a game than you just did. So yeah. I definitely need to check this out. Definitely do. I, I would recommend it. Awesome. All right. So uh, number one for me um, is Cuphead. Cuphead uh, is just one of the most unique video games ever. I mean, it's it's very much inspired by classic, um, I guess you could say platformers and stuff like that. But um, this art style, um, every single time I see Cuphead, I am just in awe of the creativity and um, what kind of technical you know, wizardry they went to to make this look like you were playing a classic cartoon uh, in video game form. And I'm obsessed with how difficult it is. I, yeah. I really, really appreciate how much it asks of the player um, to very much focus and very much become a master of that game in order to progress um, very souls in that way. I know that's so, something people say way too much, but seriously, it, it made me, it broke me down. And then it brought me back up <laughs> because <laughs> yes, they do. Yep. So, um, yeah, man, Cuffhead is just on another level for me. It, it's easily my favorite indie game ever. Nice. Well, that's you, you, you got me on that one. That's a game I actually haven't played and it's in my library. And I know as like an indie fan, I, I, I owe it to myself to play that game. And as a fan of challenging games, like, yeah. you know, the, the, the top game on my list is there partly because of its, its challenge. And so I, I, I have a feeling I would love that game. Yeah, you should check it out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, are we at number one? Did I? I feel like I skipped something here, but yes, I think we're at number one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, number one for me is Celeste. And um, if you go by pure gameplay, I'd probably actually go with SteamWorld Dig Two. But in terms of the combination of gameplay and storytelling, it's easily Celeste. Uh, this was my game of the year in 2018, even topping uh, Red Dead Redemption Two and God of War. Celeste was my favorite game of that year. Um, the The gameplay is awesome; like it is super challenging platforming, but it's broken down into these bite sized screens that you know none of them take you more than like two or three minutes to figure out how to solve. Uh, but it can get really challenging, especially if you want to get all the collectibles. There are these strawberries that you have to collect, and um, they're really difficult to get. Uh, but the story it tells the story of uh, her name's not Celeste. Celeste is actually the name of the mountain, but Madeline is this this uh, girl who's climbing this mountain and she's just so full of self-doubt, doesn't know if she can make it to the top. And the way it interweaves that self-doubt with your own self-doubt of whether you can complete this game because it is so challenging is just brilliant. And she's so relatable, so charming, so sweet, like just loved this game uh, be- for the way that it really combined its gameplay and its story. Unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. So I've, I've picked up Celeste. I think I've gotten several hours in. I, I, I think I played it on a plane. Like it was a switch game that I played on a plane, but I, I never, um, I never ended up finishing it. So I need to. Yeah. It's, it's a great one. And, and I want, I want to cheat a little bit. I literally just thought of probably a game <laughs> I would put in my top three. Um, yeah. it's the outer wilds. I've, I've already bragged oh, about yeah. it, but it's just such a unique idea. Um, that, clicks on all cylinders for me the outer wilds is a game i think everyone should should play that's yeah i uh, that's one that i it is so right up my alley and i need to just get over the hump where the controls finally click for me because i could not get over that uh when i first played it but i probably didn't give it a fair shake gotcha yeah yeah it's awesome nice so are we is that it did did, yeah 
That's Man. five, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I definitely have some uh, some kind of some outliers, but just to just to throw out a few names, if you haven't played any of these games, I definitely recommend them. Uh, the Swapper is one great two D platformer, anti chamber. If you like like really mind bending MC Escher style first person puzzle game, Shovel Knight. If you like platforming, Dandara. I think it's one of the most underrated Metroidvanias out there. Um, the guacamelee game severed anything Drinkbox does speaking of them being at this show coming up tomorrow uh so those are some of the others that i just uh dead cells everybody knows dead cells yes so awesome lots of great stuff to play it'll be interesting to see what they reveal tomorrow i'm excited for it and um, um like i said in past uh you know when nintendo now does their directs i look forward to the indie directs more than their regular ones so uh maybe that'll happen with <laughs> xbox as well yeah, I, I'm going to be tuning in. I'm really excited to see what they have. And now we are going to take our second break. And when we get back, we are going to dig into our mailbag. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're now going to read one of your questions that we got this week. If you'd like to hear your question read on the show, again, you can write into preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So please write in. We love to, to read your messages. We'd love to hear from you. But this week, Reed writes in. Actually, this is from a few weeks ago. So uh, thank you, Reed, for the question. Uh, And this is kind of relevant to some PlayStation news that came out recently, this morning, actually. What do you think of games being made into other forms of entertainment? Some examples would be the Dota or, uh, yeah, Dota anime or Resident Evil movies. So, yeah, Jackson, do you have any thoughts about this? Recently, just this morning, they came out and said there's going to be a, uh, a Ghost of Tsushima TV show. We've got The Last of Us show coming up. We've got the Uncharted movie. So a lot of Sony stuff, but uh, there's other, there's been some others as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think if you can um, do it justice, obviously, that's the big thing. Um, I think I, there's a campiness to the Resident Evil movies that I that I can kind of appreciate. Like, I've watched some of them, and I've enjoyed them. Um, but I think it's really hard to do. Um, I, I would never uh, say don't do it or just it's off limits. It, it ruins the value of the original game. Like that's just not a perspective I, I share. But um, I, I do like like The Witcher, I think, is a, is an, a great example of um, a really good video game and book inspired TV show. I, I think they did a really good job there. It stands on its own. So I think it needs to stand on its own. Um, and still be faithful and when it does make changes clearly explain those and develop them yeah yeah i'm uh not against it at face value i mean heck some of the best tv shows and movies of all time are based off of books so i don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to make great content based off of video games i do think that video games while the storytelling in video games has come a long way they're not inherently like or I shouldn't say inherently there like you can find there's so many books out there. They've been written for centuries that, that are of such a high quality. And I don't feel like you have video games that are where the, the, the source content reaches that level of quality. I think the last of us is one of the few examples where it does uh, it kind of sound like I'm bad mouthing video games, but I just think that's the way it is. You know, like games are kind of, the, the the dialogue can be good, the storytelling can be good, but the premise of games is often just kind of goofy. I mean, look at <laughs> Assassin's Creed or or Tomb Raider or Hey man. Um, no, I mean <laughs> Assassin's Creed is great, but like when you try to adapt that to a movie, a, a tight, concise um two hour story, I mean that's tough. 
You it know, is. not that I know anything about writing a movie, but that's um, that's kind of my take on it. So if you can if you can manage to turn it into a quality story, go right ahead. I think to your point, yeah, if you can just do justice to the um, to the original idea in a way that translates well to film, um, go for it. But like, I'm really skeptical, for example, about the Metal Gear movie. I mean, how are they going to tell that story in two hours? Uh, <laughs> good luck. You know, but yeah, I hope they can luck. do it. I hope they can do it. That's a that's a great example of a fantastic video game that the source material for me is just like, I'm not sure that's going to make for a good movie, but <laughs> we'll um, see. Yeah, I hope I wasn't a downer on that one. But thanks for the question, Reed. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Sony handles all these, uh, f- you know, uh, adaptations of their first party properties, particularly The Last of Us. I'm excited for that. Me too. I can't wait. Yeah. So with that, we are going to wrap it up. Jackson, before we do, anything you want to plug on your channel? Yes, I've got a big uh, Assassin's Creed Origins in 2021. Was it really that good video coming soon? Um, And it's going to be under 30 minutes. I tried to be more concise. So um, lots of people told me they're excited for that video. So I can't wait to share it. Very cool. Uh, On my channel, I'm finally um, wrapping up my I've been going back and forth, uh, but it's my Kenna preview that I'm going to post first. Uh, So Kenna Bridge of Spirits, I'm going to do a a, a kind of top 10 cool things that I've learned about that game. Game looks fantastic. Can't wait to share that. So stay tuned. Uh, But with that, we are going to wrap it up. Again, you can write into Preloaded. It's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com with your questions. If you're listening on any of the audio platforms, uh, please rate us and subscribe there. And with that, We are all done for the week. We'll look forward to seeing you next week here on Preloaded. Bye, guys.